listening to the sweet sounds of Gritty City. This is exciting. I'm going to get right into it. How I start my show is I have my special guest introduce themselves. Go ahead, please. All right. My name is Rochelle Saylor. I am a teacher at Graded. I've worked here for the last six years and I teach English theory of knowledge. Um, when I'm not teaching, I enjoy attempting to learn Portuguese, although it's not very good. I'm learning ukulele and basically trying to be healthier in my life, uh, especially during this quarantine time. All right. Thank you. What I like about having people introduce themselves and maybe if this show has eventually 50 episodes or something, uh, people will become sort of prepared. But I kind of like that spontaneity because if, if I introduce you, it's it's biased or I don't have enough information. So I leave it open ended. So I really appreciate that you kind of threw in your interests and you know some personal information. So I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's fun, um, especially in Western culture, but not just that, you know, we define ourselves by our work that we do, and that is really important, but we are more than just our work. I agree. Okay, so today we are going to just have a conversation somewhat structured, I guess, about 25 minutes or so. And I'll ask you a series of questions and we'll just go through our, our interview that way or conversation. I'll call it not really an interview. Great, um, so my first question, my first question to you is how in a couple of sentences, how has the transition been from face to face with students in school? Things are hunky dory fine to, oh, my goodness, now we're doing distance learning. How's that going for you? One word is crazy. Uh, it's very different. I did not realize how important being with my students is or are now. Um, I think reading facial expressions and trying to get in kind of a rhythm of, of speaking and talking with one another online is really different. Uh, so I think crazy is a good word, but also um, in I'm also hopeful that this won't last forever. And so I'm really looking forward to going back to teaching one-on-one. -on -one. And are you finding that, are you finding some things useful that you never would have considered before, but now that you're online, you're like, hey, you know, this is actually a pretty good tool or a technique or something. I just an awareness that I tend to speak quite fast and especially for students whose first language is not English or native language that's hard so I do think technology gives me the chance to really pause and to really let people think about it let students think about things um, and that's a good reminder for me I think it's also helpful to when students are responding that they can also have more time to think about their responses. So I do feel like that has been a very good aspect from this experience. 
Yeah, I think we are. I think we're so uh, time-based sure. as teachers. You know, we have a structure. We don't have bells, which I think is nice uh, to remind us when the class is over and stuff. But I do think that because we're so time-driven that we tend to run out of it faster. And here we have like a synchronous day and an asynchronous day. And it's like, you can slow down and you can give that think time, which I think is great. Even a day and a half is enough to have students reflect on what they're thinking about and what they're doing. Yeah, I do think in general it's a slower pace and that is refreshing. And I'm finding that that is parallel to everything in my life. Um, slower just in general of enjoying spending time with people, uh, communicating via email or Zoom or on the phone, a slower pace in terms of I'm cooking far more than I ever have in my life and eating slower and enjoying my walks more outside. I, I think just that slower pace is uh, a nice refreshing change. And you mentioned that you are trying to live healthier. What, uh, in what ways? Like there's so, I used to teach health. So there's like emotional health and there's spiritual health and physical health. Which areas are you concentrating on? I think one of the big aspects of being in quarantine, especially as a single person, is making sure that you're taking care of all aspects of your health. You're eating well, you're meditating, you're taking time to do something creative. Um, you're going outside every day. You're doing different things. So for me, I think I've really tried to focus on different aspects of all of those, but I think especially eating, I'm trying to be far more plant-based in my eating and trying to eat less meat and less dairy. And the article that I shared with you earlier this week uh, was just talking about the fact of the realities of the meat issue and kind of meat consumption in the U.S. and not just the U.S., but all over. And sort of what that looks like, not only for our bodies, but also the planet. And the more that I'm researching and the more that I'm understanding, the more that I'm realizing how important it is to be super hyper aware of what we put in our body and what we get out and also how we're treating the environment. And to that point, you mentioned when you sent the article, which there's a space on the podcast where I can put a link, I think, Ooh, a description of the article. So that's kind of cool. Um, but you mentioned that you grew up on a farm. And when I think of a farm, I think of animals and basically sustaining. But you said you did not grow up on a, like a meat producing farm. Can you tell us that story? Southeast Michigan, that the area used to actually be a swamp and it was drained many years ago. And uh, my grandfather, my great grandfather, uh, going back several generations, um, has raised corn, wheat, and soybeans predominantly. 
and there's uh, several hundred acres uh, that is farmed now. My uncle and my dad farm, and it's a bit split up now as my grandfather passed a couple years ago. do a crop rotation so that means that depending on different types of pH levels in the soil you would plant different types of crops and then we did all kinds of things growing up like baled straw and um, did things like grew pumpkins and corn stalks and so my Childhood growing up, uh, I vividly remember going out and hoeing weeds, even though my dad says I did not do that often and I didn't do it very well, apparently. I complained a lot. But that was, uh, that's my experience growing up. So we're constantly surrounded by corn, wheat, and soybeans. And for a majority of our crops, they go toward feeding livestock, uh, but not only that. There's also, um, it, some of it does go directly to creating things like bread or different um, products that we eat. Mm -hmm. I've been, uh, over the years, there have been different uh, documentaries like on Monsanto with seeds and that whole industry. And the, the farmer, the American farmer, like you've seen from the classic black and white photos of the, the you know, devastation of the drought. Um, how, your family's thrived, it sounds like, but your grandfather, I mean, he's, uh, you're like a third generation farmer, basically. So how has your family survived with all the ups and downs over the, over the decades? Yeah, I, I think if, if I weren't farming, um, I would be fourth generation farmer. I'm not, so that's not the case for me. But um, in general, I think that we've had really excellent uh, land because it was a drained swamp, the ground that we use. It actually has a lot of nutrients. So minus this past year, which actually this last year, they had so much rain in southeastern Michigan that they were unable to plant. And that is the first time in over 100 years that my family has actually cashed in and used crop insurance because they actually were not able to plant anything. Because, because it's a farmer swamp, uh, when it rains, it uh, tends to linger. And obviously, um, equipment is very heavy. And so my dad, after attempting several times and getting several different pieces of machinery stuck in the field, uh, was unable to. And that's one of the first times in over, like I said, over 100 years. So that was just a really interesting kind of family fact that happened very recently. Of people passing by, a 
because because it's a farmer swamp uh when it rains it uh tends to linger and obviously um equipment is very heavy and so my dad after attempting several times and getting several different pieces of machinery stuck in the field uh, was unable to and that's one of the first times in over like I said over 100 years so that was just a really interesting kind of family fact that happened very recently in the sky, also on the faces of people passing by I see friends shaking and singing how do you do And um, in terms of weathering, kind of the, the different uh, types of weathering situations, crop rotation, so the fact that you're doing different crops in different kinds of years and that you're rotating that allows you to kind of um, be a little bit insulated from it. So for example, you might have a really bad corn year, but your wheat might do really well. And so the fact that you're rotating and that you don't not just one thing every time in the same spot means that you have a little bit of kind of insulation to that. That sounds really good. So now you're living here in Sao Paulo or in Brazil, let's say, um, where beef and pork and livestock is the majority of the economy. And I'm gonna make you now the leader of, let's make you the leader of the world, why not? And from your, from your research, um, how would you tell people that have grown up with hamburgers and every weekend they're barbecuing and they're getting their pariadas and they're going to their feijoadas on Cartofeira and Sabado. All right, leader of the world, talk, talk us into not eating meat. Oh, wow. I, I love you, I hear babies cry and I um, I don't know as if I'm prepared for that. Definitely not leader of the world. Um, I would say prepare for me for not eating or eating less meat. I think for me, I'm not a vegetarian and I don't necessarily plan on being one. Obviously, I don't know about the future. But I do think there is a really big connection between kind of meat and culture. And I think that um, looking at and considering how to adjust that would be a really good first step. So I would, as <laughs> ruler of the world, um, I would ask people to take a look at um, what meat does for their bodies, what it does to the environment. And I would ask them to start creating different cultural experiences, not surrounding meat. Um, and that would be my first kind of um, persuasive technique, even though I would really need to work on it a bit more. That's sort of where I am right now is that I'm trying to find uh, other really delicious foods that have cultural relevance that are not meat. Um, because as you pointed out, Brazil especially has this huge history of meat and it's part of their culture. And so separating, and I don't know as if separating is the right word, but acknowledging or 
thinking about how those relate and how those can maybe adjust for the future is important. And have you tried some of the sort of meat substitute products that really taste, I mean, I've heard they taste like ground beef or hamburger or something. Have you tried any of these new products? I have tried a few products. Um, I think for me, then the next step is uh, the idea of how much food is actually being processed. And so while I'm not um, opposed to any kind of plant-based meat, I also still wonder like the whole idea of eating whole foods or plant-based foods as being kind of trying to avoid processing. And if that's my kind of goal, which I believe it is, again, I'm still working on it. Uh, if that's my goal, then I'm not sure that actually reaches my goal. It does if it's the ethical treatment of animals and the environment, because it's certainly better. But if it's still eating healthier, then the less processed, the better. But if it's still eating healthier, then the less processed, the better. And so that's sort of where my kind of struggle is in between the two. I have certainly tried a lot more and a lot different non-meat things in the last few years. A friend introduced me to a website called Clean Food Dirty Girl, which hopefully you can post. And it's actually a vegan website. And I've tried a lot of their different meals and I've been super impressed with how tasty and delicious they are. And they are all plant-based, no oil as well. The idea being the least processed food would be kind of the healthiest. And so for me, that has been a really good kind of framework to try to adhere and live to. Yeah, I think people in the last, I'm just going to throw it out, maybe 15 years have developed like gluten allergies and have different, I don't know, immunosuppressive problems with their whole body. And we have to think about like the antibiotics and all the supplements that we're giving our livestock and how that is entering our bodies. Um, you've been teaching overseas and can you just talk about like how your diet related to, I guess this topic has increased your awareness? Obviously it has here, but some of the other countries where you lived how that went for you there. There we go. <clears throat> One, two, three. Yeah, I lived in Cameroon for my student teaching, and that was a country that did not have fast food. And so that was um, very much, I learned some cooking techniques there and meat was certainly very expensive and so that was far more limiting. When I was in Korea, I really struggled with Korean food because I find it very spicy 
and I don't like spice. So I ended up getting a Costco membership and learned to cook more food in Korea. But again, not uh, not so much dairy or meats. Uh, cheese is just not very big in Korea, at least at the time. It's possible to get. Um, sandwiches are also just not really um, something that you eat in Korea. They are, it, it is more popular now. Um, so that was definitely a shift as well. Growing up, I remember eating sandwiches for lunch a lot. So that was a shift. In Ukraine, there were some delicious vegetables and things during the summer, but the winter months was very difficult. And I had a really hard time with uh, any meat in Ukraine and dairy. So I really limited and uh, didn't eat a lot of meat or dairy in Ukraine simply because of the quality and what I was able to get. And then coming here to Brazil, um, being tropical, we have the most delicious fruit I've ever had. I love pineapple here and mangoes and bananas, and I won't even eat it in the States anymore. So for me, uh, coming here in Brazil has like really opened up all kinds of different types of foods. And I really enjoy a lot of food here. So that's really um, been easier, I think, to become kind of more vegan or more plant-based because I feel like I have a whole lot more options here, um, although I also really enjoy the beef here as well and um, find it to be very high quality. So um, there's different aspects of that depending on where I've lived. I think this has been the easiest for me because it seems as if I have the most options.
And um, I'm going to do a Pavlovian thing here and say, <laughs> that, that was maybe the reaction I expected, just happiness, joy. <laughs> I love that, Abakashi, happiness, joy. That's definitely for me. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to shift a little bit now and talk about music, because in between these uh, little segments that we have of conversation, I like to, you know, I, I guess maybe back in the day, I wanted to be a DJ or something, but this is kind of like fulfilling that. So uh, introducing people to new music, of course. So uh, if you could pick one or two artists or even specifically songs, um, what would you want as part of your podcast? I put so on the spot. Um, since I mentioned the ukulele, I would love to hear uh, any type of music from uh, ukulele artists. I'm still exploring. I recently was listening to the very famous, I, I'm not going to say his name correctly, so I won't try, but the very famous uh, Hawaiian man who played mm -hmm. uh, the ukulele and did one take and was just absolutely the most amazing um, but I think if I had to suggest artists, I would like to highlight some of those artists, although I apologize that I can't come up with a name right off the top of my head. That's, that's the beauty of having a, this on the spot kind of question because, you know, it's like, hmm, I didn't think yeah. about that before, or I don't know, I don't know that artist or, you know, whatever that might be. For sure. Okay. So that's great because it gives me a chance to um, look up, you know, music and, and kind of create a playlist and all that stuff. Yeah. And I wanted um, to say thank you that I feel like your DJing skills, I feel like this is an excellent use of that for doing during a podcast. And um, I want to thank you again for inviting me to be a special guest. And also I'm excited to hear your mix and what you create. I think that's also really fun to hear and explore that. Yeah, for sure. But I'm not quite done with you yet, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, the last thing is, um, so I'd like to end the show with either a song or maybe you can play your ukulele if you're comfortable. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I am not at a place to play the ukulele just yet. Um, that would be an excellent goal for me to have. If you practice, then you can get better. I know, I need to um, try that. It's my ukulele. I know, I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what, if you have you read the book Grit yet? I have not read it. Would you recommend? So she talks about. I definitely would recommend it. I have it 
I have a copy here and I'm just on chapter eight, I think. So um, I think there might be 11 or 12 chapters. Um, I read it while I'm eating. I just sort of have, I made a book. Well, I did. I made a hands-free book thing. So I can read it and eat at the same time. Um, and also like, on the computer, when I'm processing something and I'm waiting, I get the wheel of death or something. I just kind of look over and there's the book. So it's always open. But she talks about the importance of practice, but also the desire. Like no one is telling you that you need to play ukulele. You are doing it yourself. So you're motivated right off the bat. So I know that you will improve if you can, you know, if you stick to it. And I'm looking forward to hearing some of your music someday. Thank you. Really great. I would love to get together with you and do something someday. It'll be really fun. Okay, cool. You know, just like Israel, Izzy, uh, you can take us out and they would just fade out. Or you could recite a poem. You can tell a story. I mean, you're ending the show. So I'm going to leave that with you. But before I let you do that, uh, I do want to thank you for, for joining me today. And of course, continue. We can always circle back and um, have some more conversation. I think I would just like to end by saying to people, be well, be happy, and be safe. You're listening to the sweet sounds of Gritty City.